Revolution or podcast from your way. This is episode 377, another QA episode. Steve Smear, CC here, and the Rickster. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? All right, so we got five great topics, guys. There are all topics that you guys have been asking about on the forums and topics that you've sent in. These are really, really interesting. So we're gonna we're gonna nail all five of them. The first one is running long esters with short esters. So that's a question that we used to get a lot back in the day. We don't get that question very often. And it's actually a really, really good question because, you know, stereos, they have different esters. You have short esters, you know, um, something like testosterone propanate, for example, testosterone suspension even, which is even shorter, pretty much not even an ester. It's not even, it doesn't even have an ester attached. And then the first, you know, the obviously testosterone propionate, then you have the next series of testosterone, uh, the sepinate, the enanthate, then you have blends, the sustenin blends, which are a blend of four different esters. And you get the long esters, the undecanate, those, those longer esters. So they all have different half-lives. And in case you guys aren't familiar with what half-lives are, they're not, they're not detection times. Detection times and half-lives are not the same thing. Half-life pretty much means if it's a 10-day half-life, for example, then that means you inject it. And then after 10 days, half of what you injected would be in the system. And then after another 10 days, half of that would, that would, what's left over would be in your system. And after 10 days, half of that and so on until it's out of your system and at a low level. So as you're injecting, as you go along, let's say you're doing a 10 day half-life, testosterone anthate, for example, 10 or 11 day half-life, let's say 10, 10 day half-life. So, Let's say you inject it once a week. So every, every seven days, you're injecting more of it in your system. And over time, it's going to reach a peak level after about 50 days. You multiply the half-life times five, and you get that. So in this situation, you know, you're running a short ester. Let's say you're running Trenbolone with testosterone. Can you run Trenbolone acetate, which is a short ester of Trenbolone, which needs to be injected every day or every other day? With a long ester testosterone, for example, which needs to be injected twice a week or once a week at most, can you do that? And, you know, it just boils down to your injection schedule. I personally, you know, I, I personally prefer longer esters. I prefer to just to mix them in the same syringe, inject, you're good to go, you're done. Um, it's way less hassle than having to inject every day or every other day. So, you know, that's my opinion. Doesn't make it right. Um, if you're a person who doesn't like, doesn't mind injecting, if you're a person who competes, being, you know, flexible with your competition, going into a competition is very, very important because the shorter esters are in and out of your system quicker. So if something's going wrong and you're two or three weeks out of a show, you can just stop using these short esters and switch to something else. And by the time the competition comes around, They'll be out of your system and you'll have the new stuff in your system. So short esters, you know, they do have advantages. So at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if you run long esters with short esters or you run two long esters, you run two short esters. It really doesn't matter. It just depends on, on your goals. I don't really, I don't see an issue with it. Do you see, right? Yeah. Well, when it comes to this, to this question, I mean, it depends on your goals, what you're doing, the reasons to run both. Now the question is about combining them together and, uh, I mean, it, it could work. It could definitely work. Uh, some stuff you can only get 
in long in the longer esters. EQ you can only find in the undecyclinate ester. I guess there's probably EQ propionate out there, EQ inactate, but it's not very common. So it's a very common practice to mix these two X to meet to mix both long and short esters together. Uh, one good mix that I've always enjoyed was doing prop, uh, trend, and EQ. That's a nice uh, cycle, which I think we should probably dedicate a uh, half of a podcast to just that cycle alone because it's a nice one. And there you'd have to mix the propionate ester. I prefer when it comes to trembolone, I prefer the natate over the acetate ester. And obviously the EQ is going to come in in that long, long ester. So mixing them, no problems, no issues, as long as you know what you're doing. Um, if you're a, a tested athlete going into competitions, definitely you don't want to mix them. You want to stay with the much shorter, shorter esters. If you're a regular Joe, regular guy, just uh, mixing them is fine. You don't have an issue with being tested. So you can use uh, equipoise. You can use DECA and not worry about the longer esters. Uh, and um, the only thing that you really want to be conscious of is that injection frequency. With anything like an athlete and longer, you can get away with shooting once a week. It's fine. With anything like, say, propionate, acetate, you know, like tremble on acetate, testosterone propionate, you really, really, really want to make sure that you're injecting every other day, every day sometimes, just to keep steady levels and to keep from having your androgen level shoot up and then, and then down. That, that usually will cause, and you'll notice way more side effects when you have these these uneven, these, these not steady levels of androgens in your system than when you do, than when you keep it steady. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just my answer on that. At the end of the day, steroids are steroids. I mean, let's say hypothetically you were to run test propionate with test NFH, you know, and you were to inject in the same syringe together every day. Is it really going to make a difference in how much you gain in you know, what hat your testosterone levels? No, it won't. Sustenin is a blend of four different esters. It's a blend of a short ester, the propionate, an intermediate ester, and two long esters all in one. And it's designed to you inject a large amount infrequently. So in some situations, 10 days, 14 days, even 20 days, you would inject the, the sustenance. So let's say hypothetically your TRT dose was 125 milligrams a week. Well, instead of injecting sustenance 125 milligrams a week, it's an amp. The amp is 250 milligrams. So you would take that 250 milligrams every two weeks and it would average out to 125 a week. So that would be your TRT dose. So that would be awesome to just inject twice a month versus having to inject every day. So that's why these blends and these that's whole the whole thing behind esters. So guys, it's very important, the person who sent in this question, to learn about half-lives, learn about esters, and learn about what they do in the body. And if you guys kind of go on evolution.org, I've written articles about this stuff. Kind of kind of read of those articles and familiarize yourself with, the, with these types of, um, you know, all this information about esters and learn how they work. Because you know, when you're new to this, you don't understand this stuff because you're used to taking an aspirin for, you have a headache, let's pop an aspirin. And then an hour later, you're good to go. 
but with steroids they have esters attached unless you're taking something with no ester like a suspension or something but they have esters attached for a reason and that's to uh, do injection frequency less less often so yeah that's that's pretty much how it works and yes obviously the longer esters are going to be detectable longer if you take a, a, a suspension or a trend no ester it's going to be almost impossible to detect that it's going to be out of your system by the next day because there's no ester attached. But if you're taking something like decadurabolin, you can that can be detected for a year ahead of time. So yeah, that's that's the way it works. Anything you want to add, Rick, before we move on? No, nah, I think we pretty uh pretty well covered this one. Good to go. Topic number two, guys, is going to be this person ran a steroid cycle six months ago and test levels only at 270. So this is a common problem that we're seeing nowadays. Uh, this person didn't mention his age, but it can happen at any age. It can happen if you're 22 years old. It can happen if you're 42 years old. It can happen if you're 62 years old. I've seen this from all age groups. And it's a real big problem today uh, with low testosterone levels. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's not necessarily the person's fault that they have low testosterone levels is, is our environment. Our environment is polluted. That's one of the things Rick and I agree on um, is that, you know, the plastics in our oceans, the plastics in our landfills, the chemicals that are in our water, the chemicals that are in our food, the preservatives, the, the, uh, the oils that they put in our food, these, these, um, you know, these seed oils that we've been experimenting with for the past 20 years that human beings never put in our bodies. And now we're putting them in our bodies. They're in everything. Now, if you just look at a, pick up a package of anything and look cereal, bread, anything, any packaged food, anything has these seed oils, these refined seed oils that go in our body and over the past 20 years, testosterone levels have been dropping drastically. And it could also have to do with, you know, overpopulation. It could have a lot to do with, you know, the, the planet punishing us for abusing, you know, the planet. So we've seen testosterone levels drop. Um, you know, if you grew up drinking bad water and, and, and eating poor foods and stuff, you're probably gonna have low testosterone levels as an adult. That's just how it is. So my question to this person to, to sum it up, what were your testosterone levels before you ran steroids? And most of the time, Rick, the person will answer, oh, I don't know, I don't know. This is why I always tell people, run blood work before using steroids, because now you don't know where things were before. Maybe before you had testosterone levels. And now, they're, now that you're testing your testosterone levels, you're noticing this uh, come up. It's one of those situations. So what, what advice would you give to this guy, Rick? Like all things being, what advice would you give to this guy? Well, like you said, uh, I like to see what his test levels looked like before he ran a cycle. Sometimes you could already be suffering from the effects of low T. You don't know it because you don't, you don't know anything, right? And then you run a steroid cycle and you go and get tested because you ran a cycle. And boom, there it is. You have low testosterone. So that's important to understand if this was really caused by his steroid cycle or if this is something that was already in the works in his body 
And he only detected it because he got wise about blood tests because of his steroid cycle. And that's important. But look, if you did have some suppression months later because of your steroid cycle, best thing to do is run PCT all over again and make sure that you stay on some good herbal supplements long term. You know, get on my product, plug for my product, hcgenerate.com. Get on hcgenerate. Make sure you do that for 60, 90 days. See how that does. If you want to use a different herbal supplement, go right ahead. My advice is still the same. Herbals are good to take on a long-term basis. I wouldn't take Clomid and Novadex longer, longer than maybe a month, month and a half. Especially Clomid makes you feel pretty, uh, pretty crappy. Not, your, your whole mood is just ruins it. But if you're using it to recover, you know, you, do, you deal with it month, four, four to six weeks and be done with it. So yeah, maybe he needs to run PCTO again, one more time, you know, middle hasn't used steroids in six months, run that PCT one more time and then stay on some herbals a little bit, a uh, couple more months after that. And if it was caused by your steroid cycle, chances are that'll, that'll do it. That'll fix it. But you know, what else? Either is a pre-existing condition that you did not identify before the steroid cycle and only came to light because you got wise about blood testing after your steroids, or sometimes it happens, guys. These steroids are serious. They're strong. They're powerful. They're to be taken seriously. You're messing with your endocrine system. You got to know that. And sometimes, most of the time, if you're healthy enough, the post-cycle therapy will work just fine after your cycle. There are times when it won't. There are times where you'll do the post-cycle therapy. You might feel good for a while, and then your test levels drop again. And you might have to run that PCT one more time. And even if everything in your body was functioning perfectly before you started messing with steroids, after you mess with steroids, it might take a while. It might take months, maybe some guys years for your hormone levels to stabilize to a healthy level again. Yeah. Um, I think the big mistake guys are making now is they're just throwing a bunch of drugs at their system. They're like, let me just, let me just throw drugs at the system and things will come back to life. Well, you know, unfortunately it just doesn't work like that. You can temporarily, uh, you know, do things like you could throw a bunch of HCG at your body and temporarily, yeah, your testosterone levels will go up. Your balls will plump up. You'll feel, you'll probably feel better. Uh, you know, with, with your mood and libido and stuff. But when you come off ACG, which you will have to, you're just going to become suppressed again, taking these hormones in your system. With CIRM, selective estrogen receptor, as work was mentioning, Clomid, Novadex, when you run them, they manipulate your HPTA into producing the hormones and then causing your lytic cells to come back again, though. But when you stop taking them, what do you think happens? Things just go back to normal. I've, I've seen this, you know, yo-yo type of blood work a lot with guys. Um, I'll give you an example. One of my clients, 22 years old, he's gave me permission to, to discuss this because he didn't want other young guys to make the mistake. But he's been using steroids since 1819. Now he's 22. 
and he came to me for help. And his testosterone levels were about 180 or 200 area. So he went on uh, Clomid and Novodex for PCT. He did a, he threw a bunch of drugs at his body. His testosterone levels jumped to a thousand while he was on them. And he was like, wow, that's, that's great. My levels came back. Everything is back to normal. And then when he stopped taking them, guess what happened? His testosterone levels crashed back down to 180, 200. So in the end, are, did they fix him? No, there's just a temporary kind of bridge. Only your own body can fi fix itself. So before you go and throw a bunch of drugs at your system, just think about that. Think, think, of, think of what I'm trying to explain there. You know, it's one thing to cover things up. It's another thing to fix the root cause issue. So you want to give your body the best chance to come back. And in the end, you may not ever come back. Um, anabolic steroids are very powerful hormones, guys. And they do cause permanent problems when it comes to certain things, your prostate, your head hair, your testosterone levels and how your HPTA functions, your pituitary glands, your lytic cells, you know, it affects things in the body that may never come back. Like your head hair may never come back. If you run a harsh steroid cycle and you lose half your hair, it may never come back. I'm sorry. So, I mean, these steroids are very, very powerful hormones, you guys. You guys have to remember that before you start messing with them, that it can have permanent effects, including your testosterone levels never coming back. And that happens a lot. Um, fortunately, there are options of uh, TRT, hormone replacement therapy, testosterone replacement therapy, where you can stick your ass with testosterone every week for the rest of your life, but at least that's an option. That's a worst case scenario. But my advice is always try to recover first before you go on TRT for life. Always try to recover. Your body can produce testosterone free of charge. Why have to pay for it? And why have to stick yourself with testosterone the rest of your life? It makes no sense. So Always try to recover, guys. Allow your body to recover. Stop throwing drugs at your system. You can use, I wouldn't use ACG. I would use a little bit of Clomid, a little bit of Novex, N2 Generate, N2 Generate ES, these strong herbals that will get you through that period. And then gradually come off the CIRMs, the Nova and Clomid, and continue your herbals for a period of time and see if your testosterone levels start inching their way up. That is your best option. All right. So the third topic um, is rookie to steroids. Should I just run sustenance or can I add an oral? So um, Rick, I'll bring you in on this one. What do you think about this question? You know, when it comes to a, a rookie to steroids, I always think testosterone should probably be your your first cycle uh, anavar is not a, a bad first cycle but look you might get scammed and get fake anavar it might not be as 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 great as you want it to be testosterone you can always pretty find pretty cheap easy to find uh you know legitimate testosterone and testosterone in that date 
you can get away with shooting once a week. You know, when you're a newbie, maybe the every every, every other day injection schedule of propionate is just not, it's going to burn you out on your first cycle. So one shot per week of inatate. 250 to 500 mix. 500 mix is, is a lot. I think 250. It's it's a good enough first cycle. Remember, guys, this is a, a marathon, not a not just a, a sprint. So just a single steroid, just testosterone. If you want to spend more money and you think you can get a legit connection, Anavar, then you will need to keep a, an anti-estrogen on hand the way you do with testosterone. And you could also try SARMs if you're new to, to enhancing and you want to try a performance-enhancing drug. SARMs are also good. GW and Osterin stack, probably the best stack for a newbie. Some of the other SARMs like S23 and YK11, all this stuff, you know, you need way more care with it, way more care. Um, but Osterin, GW cycle, perfect first cycle. Testosterone that date, one shot every week. Incredible cycle, great cycle. Also, just Anavar, 30 to 40 mg per day of Anavar. Great little cycle. No need for anti-estrogens. Obviously, you'd want to keep an anti-estrogen on hand on any cycle, even if it is Anavar. Who knows? Maybe they slip you a... A small dose D-ball if you get fake stuff and you need that anti-estrogen. And then nice PCT, Clomid, Nova. Make sure to add HG Generate from my store, hggenerate.com. should add that in uh, to your PCT. Maybe take it through along with your Anavar cycle. Definitely Anavar. You'd want to take the HG Generate. It'll help boost natural testosterone, get a better overall effect. Definitely with the SARMs, with that, with Osterin and GW cycle, you definitely want to run the HG Generate, into Generate, we now call it, uh, along with. And I, I think those are your best choices for a first cycle. Just just take it slow. Um, don't don't slam your body with a bunch of synthetics. Don't don't do anything crazy. If you look, if you really want to like stack it and do like two steroids or or do steroids and SARMs, then same thing, testosterone and Anavar. Perfect little cycle. Maybe do just testosterone and Turinable if you're trying to save a little bit of money. And some GW, perfect little cycle. Once you have a, a testosterone or you have a Turinable or Anavar in there, the Osterin maybe it's not as necessary unless you're trying to heal some, some injuries. GW, though, can, can combine well with those. That's if you're trying to do something more intricate for a first time, which I don't advise, man. Just if you start off with one little compound at a time, build up to maybe two or three, you'll know how each compound works in your body, how things are treating you. You start slamming, you know, three, four different compounds and you don't have the experience. You don't know what's working, what's not. You'll never have a, fa a favorite steroid the way maybe I or Steve do because you've never given yourself a chance to use each of these drugs standalone. And look, you kind of want to give yourself that chance of learning about these compounds, learning everything by running some of these standalone. So uh, uh, now part of the question was also, uh, should you run Sustanon? Look, I've said it before. If you're getting legitimate pharmacy-grade Sustanon, why not? 
that's better than any underground uh, testosterone you could find. But if you're buying underground, made in a bathtub, underground lab, Sustanon, it's four esters, and you could just get from the same guys, the same brand, just straight testosterone and athlete or straight testosterone propionate. If you, if you think you can shoot every other day, then just do that. Save the money and get the single ester. You don't need the four ester stuff. It's just not necessary for a bodybuilder. The only time you go with, with the sustenon mix is when you can find legitimate human-grade sustenon mix and you're willing to pay the price for it and you know it's legit. Why not? Human-grade stuff. My opinion, always better than underground lab whenever you can find it. And um, that's my answer on that, buddy. What do you got? Issue if guys run orals uh, for a first cycle at all. Um, my first cycle was actually sustenance, and I, I stacked some Debo in there to start. I think it's a good idea because it takes time for these longer ester injectables to, to kick in, quote unquote. So if you run on a, a, an oral the first four weeks, I don't got an issue with that at all. Just be aware if you're running Debo, for example, like Rick was saying, you're good, you may have with testosterone or with you know sustenance, which is a testosterone blend, you're gonna have a lot of aromatization. So you gotta be aware of that and you gotta have the AI there for that. If you run Anabar, be aware, a lot of fakes out there, make sure it's a legitimate source. You know, just be aware of what you're running. If you're an anadrol, be aware anadrol has a lot of side effects that you may not like. So there's different, different orals to run. I don't got an issue with it. Like I said, just familiarize yourself with using them. And remember, if you're running a cycle, a testosterone cycle with an oral, with or without an oral, that is a serious cycle. And you will get shut down and you will have side effects, androgenic side effects, estrogenic side effects, DHT side effects, don't think, oh, it's just a testosterone cycle. It's a weak cycle. It's a safe cycle. There's no such thing. We just talked about earlier in this podcast about guys 22 years old with testosterone levels under 200. That's what can happen if you mess around with this stuff and you don't do it the right way. So just familiarize yourself with what you're doing. And again, like I always say, blood work before your first cycle, the most important thing you can do is run blood work. You got to do it. You got to flag things that are wrong beforehand. This way on cycle, if something goes wrong and you run bloods, there won't be any surprises. And then when you're done with your cycle, there won't be any surprises. I think we covered it all on that topic. So let's move on to number four. And this one ties into the first one. So, Rick, I'm going to bring you in on this. How much of an AI to run on cycle? First, explain what an AI is and what it does, and then kind of give your thoughts on that. Well, an AI, we just call it an anti-estrogen, an anti, you know, aromatase inhibitor. I mean, there are different ways of going about controlling estrogen. Um, the two, The two that I like to always use is either aromacin or novadex most of the times i'll use both novadex i use pretty consistently novadex pretty much acts as an estrogen in your body and blocks it goes and sits on the receptors the estrogen receptors that your body's own estrogen would usually 
go and attach to and keeps real estrogen from sending a signal, from creating a signal in your body, specifically under your nipples. It does help. It does have an overall effect. This is why guys use it during PCT. It can help your recovery along with Clomid, but it mainly just blocks estrogen out of the out of the receptors. It doesn't really do anything for the overall estrogen. You could still have high estrogen, take Novadex. It makes it keeps your body from developing gynecomastia, but your overall estrogen is still pretty high. Or you can take aromacin, and then aromacin is going to actually go and attach to the, aroma, the aromatase enzymes. The enzymes responsible for turning some of your androgens into estrogen hormones, and it'll latch onto them, and they'll get excreted in the body, and basically lowers the amount of aromatase enzyme that's in your body. And, it's, and thus lowering overall estrogen by decreasing the rate at which your androgens, all of the steroids you're injecting, even your natural testosterone, can be turned into female hormones, to estrogen-like hormones by the aromatase enzyme. So we've covered this in many podcasts. That was a very, just, sum it, just summing it up for you guys. Now, how much do you run during your cycle? My theory is this. I'm, I'm prone to gynecomastia. I had it as a, as a child. I'm 40 now, and I've been avoiding getting the gyno operation. My chest looks pretty damn dry for someone who's had issues with gynecomastia as, as, as a child. I do tend, when I get a little bit overweight, I do tend to get more fatty deposits around my nipples. It just goes with the territory. The glands are still there. But they're not hard glands. My nipples don't poke out through my shirt or any of that stuff. My chest looks pretty, pretty damn round, pretty well shaped, even with a little bit of a fat accumulation under there. It's just natural. And what I do is I run Novadex pretty much with every cycle. You know, whatever I'm doing, I run the Novadex. Sometimes I run as little as if I get 20 milligram tablets, I'll run as little as a quarter tab every other day, quarter tab every day sometimes. Even just a little bit, just to me, it's just enough to keep those receptors and those glands from continuing to be stimulated. It doesn't do anything for my overall estrogen. I still have higher estrogen. It helps my gains. Still feel good on it. But I always use Novadex. As far as the aromasin, okay, the one that lowers overall estrogen, the one that doesn't just block it out of the receptors under your nipples, but actually lowers your overall estrogen count. That one, the Romacin, I just keep on hand. I keep on hand. And if my cycle is getting out of hand, if I'm getting some side effects, uh, you know, I'm getting bloated. I'm still getting sore nipples at some degree. Even at five megs of Novadex a day, I'm still getting some sore nipples. I'm still getting some of those clear estrogen side effects that I can notice in my body. Then I'll add in the Romacin. I'll start off with a very small amount, six milligrams every other day sometimes, just to, just to actually just get that aromacine in my system and, and lower estrogen enough to ward off the side effects. You don't want to crush your estrogen. You don't want to start off the cycle taking aromacine with it right away because then what you might end up doing is killing your gains, making your joints brittle, 
throwing your cholesterol levels all out of whack, even if you're already taking steroids and now you, you crush your estrogen. So you don't want to really do that. So Novadex is a good preventive anti-estrogen. If you're only, only if you're worried about gynecomastia, you won't do anything for anything else, much of anything else, except recovery during PCT. And aromacin, just keep it on hand. Keep it on hand. And if you need it, start off with the smallest dose. And if you and if the side effects don't go away, then you you build up a little bit higher to a higher dosing. What do you think, Steve? Well, I always say blood work. I uh, sound like a broken record. And um, if you guys go on Evolution at Work, check out my posts in my signature. There's a link to a blood work thread. The thread has like half a million views, I think, or like a million views. I don't know, some insane number. And if you just read through that thread you'll see blood work from people posting and we're all reading it and everyone's, you know, helping out and learning from it. So you could literally go on there and post your blood work. I actually analyze it for free. If you want to do it off this forum, you can hit me up and I'll do a consultation with you. If I have any openings available, I'm a very busy man. So sorry about that, but um, I do provide consultations and we can talk about your blood work. So that's the key. I was talking about blood work for that reason. I've looked at thousands of blood work, literally thousands of blood work between that thread and consultations I've done. So in helping people over the years. So um, and you can also just post a thread with the blood work, obviously black out your, your personal information and I'll also analyze it for free. So I'm trying to do my best to help out the community as much as I can. Um, and that's, that's one of the best ways you guys can do it. But the blood work is going to tell you in black and white if you need more of an AI, less of an AI, et cetera. So again, we go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, half-life. Multiply the half-life by five. That will tell you when that steroid is in your peaking in your system. So you run uh, blood work at that point. And that will tell you, do I need more of an AI? Do I need less of an AI? And that's, that's what you want to go. But you want to keep your estrogen balanced on cycle and PCT. And then when you come off, obviously, very, very important. Um, one of the dangers of high estrogen, a lot of guys don't care. They're like, oh, I'm fine without, a, I already have my gland removed. I'm, I'm fine with high estrogen. Some of these, these social media gurus out there say that. The danger of having high estrogen, though, is cancer. That's like lighting a match. That's like throwing gasoline on a fire when you have high estrogen levels. So there is a danger of having high estrogen levels. Don't think just because you can get away with it that it's a good idea because it's not. So, you know, I, I'm not – I'm against that. I'm against high estrogen and I'm against low estrogen, like Rick was saying. You want it balanced. You want it balanced. All right, the last question is, and Rick, you can talk about this because you do a lot of MMA, and I can talk about this because I used to compete in endurance sports. Um, training, this guy is training for a marathon, but he feels tired and beat up. So maybe you can talk about some supplements the guy can take as well. But, you know, when I was an endurance athlete, this was the big battle that I had to deal with all the time was you train your ass off, okay, and you have to deal, you, you're just like, I want to be able to run every day. I want to be able to train every day, but my body just can't handle it. 
And that's that's the problem with it. And I tried everything. I tried bathing in hot water with crystals and bathing in hot water with herbs. And I tried injecting tromil and I've tried injecting vitamins and amino acids and all this stuff. And the one thing that I learned was the absolute best way to recover from any type of hard workout like training for a marathon is sleep. So how do we improve our sleep? That's the big question. Everyone listening to this can do something to improve their sleep. It could be as simple as buying a better mattress, buying a better pillow, buying a sound blanket to put on your windows and on your walls so you don't noise doesn't wake you up, replacing your ceiling fan because it's too noisy, um, getting better sheets, uh, watching what you eat for dinner, staying away from caffeine, staying away from stimulants and pre-workouts, which contain caffeine. You know, there's so many different ways to improve sleep that people fail on. Staying away from electronics before bedtime. Using um, what I wear uh, before bed is uh, blue blocker glasses. If you must use electronics, use blue blockers. It blocks out the blue light. Just go on Amazon and find blue blockers. They're like 10 bucks for some cheap blue blocker glasses. You know, there's all kinds of little tricks to improving your sleep. If you can just get an extra half hour, hour of sleep a night, that will help your recovery so much. It'll blow your way. Like Tom Brady, Tom Brady gets eight, nine hours of sleep every night. I mean, he, if you were to just look at his bedroom and see his setup, it's completely quiet. It's sealed. There's oxygen flowing in the bedroom. He has the most expensive sheets, expensive pillows, expensive mattress. He has a routine he goes through. He does stretching and yoga before bed and meditates. He watches what he eats. The wrong foods can keep you up at night. They'll upset your stomach. If you have an upset stomach, you can't, you can't sleep at night, right? So he has, a, he has it down to a T, and that's why he's still playing football, even to this day, and he's still going to Super Bowls, even at 43 years old. It's because he, he takes sleep extremely serious. So if you got a busy, busy lifestyle, which we all do, you still have to find time for to sleep, guys. I'm sorry. And if you're training for a marathon and you're only getting like six hours of sleep at night, it's not going to work. You got to get a quality amount of eight hours. If you're training for a marathon, which means you're running for like over an hour, you're doing over an hour runs and interval training and all this stuff. You're doing 10 mile um, temple runs, okay, every other day then yes, you need eight hours of sleep, preferably nine hours of good quality sleep. So that's, that's, my, uh, that's my reign on that. Uh, Rick, tell us a little bit about some supplements this guy can take to help him out. L-glutamine is a nice one to take. Uh, six, eight grams of L-glutamine after training. It doesn't taste that great, but L-glutamine powder is, is great for recovery. Some guys will take S4, S4, and or Osterin, if you're talking about performance enhancement drugs. Those are great for recovery. Besides those, my N2Guard product, go to N, the number two guard, G-U-A-R-D, guard.com. That's an organ cleanser. 
it, it is used by guys on steroids, on oral steroid cycles, but it'll help anyone. And if you're an athlete, just helping your organs along, cleansing your body will go a much, much longer way in recovery and in the way you feel than, than adding more synthetic drugs to your body. So N2Guard would be a, a great, great one. Also, N2Slin and the number two, Slin, S-L-I-N.com. You go to N2Slin.com as well. That one, you take one to two capsules, maybe three capsules, about 30 minutes to 45 minutes before each meal. How many capsules you take depends on how many carbohydrates in your meal. And the more carbs, more capsules you take. You can take up to six even if you have a big cheat meal. You're eating like half a pizza pie or something along those lines. Basically just helps to make the most out of your nutrients so that your nutrients feed your muscles and don't get stored as fat. That's a, I'd say between Entuslin and Entugard, you've got two great supplements. Also, creatine. Creatine is great for endurance athletes, for pretty much anyone pushing their body to the limit. I would say creatine is probably a better performance enhancer than, than some steroids. I make a product called Ancient Strength. Ancient Strength has three different types of creatine in it. That's another great product to take if you're an endurance athlete is creatine in my product. You go to needtobuildmuscle.com and at needtobuildmuscle.com, you'll find Ancient Strength. Order that. It's very cheap. It's only about 16 bucks. That's a great creatine product. So main staples, natural stuff, glutamine and creatine. L-glutamine and creatine are great. Then if you want to get a little deeper into organ cleansing and just having your, just priming your body for performance and to guard and to slin to help your body make the most of the calories you eat. And about right there, those are your main core staples. You can always throw steroids on top of that, peptides. There's different types of SARMs, you know, besides S4, there's others, MCA. There's different ones. And you could definitely get in there and use those. But for the most part, the supplements I mentioned are the best. Another great supplement, which is an alternative to SARMs, is called cortisol. I've been using cortisol uh, before training here and there. It's a great performance enhancer. It does contain some stimulants, some caffeine. So something you want to be wary of. Maybe it could affect your performance in a long marathon. But if you can tolerate caffeine well, cortisol by Band Nutrition. Go to bandnutrition.com. It's a great product as well. It's another good performance enhancing product. And that one is over the counter. And it's a, an alternative to SARMs. And when it comes to just raw performance, raw cardio, obviously GW, it's a great SARM for performance. And EpoGen. I'm a little bit afraid of EpoGen. Uh, you do have to have more care with it when you use it. But EpoGen is also a great compound. This is just a very quick kind of run of the different things you need. We should do a whole show on performance enhancement drugs for our marathon performance enhancement drugs, just a whole whole show just on that. And obviously all of the things Steve mentioned, sleep, good rest, nutrition, making sure you're eating proper foods, 
uh, making sure you are eating at the right times. Your body does spend quite a bit of energy on digestion. And, you know, just as long as you take care of the, of the basics, meditation so you're not stressed. Make sure your body's cleansed. Make sure you're taking fiber, probiotics, digestive enzymes with every meal. It'll obviously affect your performance if you're running around with, with a colon full of poop. You know, your colon will build up some plaque, some, some shit that doesn't want to leave right away. And you'll notice this because once you start taking psyllium husk for about the first month, you start to get rainbowed different color poops, stools. And those are all those different little meals and, and stuff you ate that just got kind of stuck in there somewhere, kind of lodged in there, in there somewhere. So instead of having one color consistent poop like you do when you eat a regular meal, you have different colors in each sitting. Once you've been taking psyllium husk for a few days, and that effect can last up to two months. And that's just the psyllium husk kind of scraping some of those old shits <laughs> inside of your colon. And, and some of them come from different time periods and different meals. Hence, you get a, a rainbow effect of different colorations in the same sitting, the same time that you go in the bathroom. So that, that's a really obvious one that a lot of people don't even think about when it comes to performances. Don't carry a bunch of old crap in your colon. Make sure you take psyllium husk, probiotics, digestive enzymes for several days, every meal. Maybe get colonics, get some water shut up there and flush back out to help you loosen some of that stuff up. So that's just uh, some suggestions on, on performance. Went a little bit all over the place, but I think this is sort of the whole podcast. What do you think, Steve? One of the one of the tricks that guys do at road races is they'll they'll try to evacuate. Um, over evacuate, in, including uh, urination and bowel movement. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you can get that out before it's going to increase your time, it's going to reduce your times for sure. Um, that's one less thing you have to carry with you. And that's one less thing for your body to do. Uh, so nutrition, you know, that ties into nutrition, what you're eating leading into it very, very important, whether you're training or, you know, we see the endurance athletes, they eat extremely well, they, they eat extremely healthy, because if they don't, they know that it's going to be harder to train. Um, you know, if you eat macaroni and cheese and drink a, a, a cup of milk, and then try to go run for, for uh, five miles, it, it's not going to end well for you. In endurance athletes, because they train so much, um, you know, let's call it every day and then they'll take a, a day off here and there. Um, so we're talking four or five times a week of, of running long distance running. You know, they know, you know, what? if I eat this food, it's going to screw me up and I, I'm going to have a really rough time. So, um, you know, that's the situation. I actually, when I ran a half marathon, I had to stop during the half marathon, pull over and take a dump. Um, off the road. Uh, there was some woods, you know, stuff. So I went kind of behind a bush and, and, and took a dump because I wasn't comfortable. I was like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> this is not comfortable for me. I want to evacuate. Um, so I had to do that actually during the run because I was so uncomfortable and I was actually able to catch up to the time I wasted having to take a dump 
I made up that three minutes um, because I felt so much better afterwards. So that's how important it is to evacuate. And you'll, you'll notice if you go to a road race, if you ever compete in one, uh, the bathrooms, you're not going to get, a, you're not going to get a chance to go. It's, it's completely packed and everyone's in line. So you better find uh, a tree, you better make sure that you uh, take a dump before you get there and then urinate, you find a tree to urinate or find a cup or something, because it's, it's going to be almost impossible to use the bathroom at the, at the location. So, all right. I think that pretty much sums it up. We'll definitely get into a podcast uh, discussing endurance in the future as well. So uh, guys, keep the questions coming. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. This was episode 377. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.